Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, Kip Presentable. How you doing, fellas? Lavender Gooms. Can't unmute himself. Can't figure it out. Still hasn't figured it out. Hello, guys. Way to go, man. Like seven seconds. And the one and only DJ Mark. Howdy, y'all. We are here with the number seven best red dead redemption podcast on the web oh there's gonna be so many red dead hashtags in this fucking thing when i put it up we're going for it all boys um speaking of which hashtag full squad everybody welcome to episode 300 and i don't know eight maybe of it's amazing radio where we're gonna talk about some tights and fights i said tights and fights yeah because i'm talking about daredevil too um all right now i have to we're gonna talk about some fights some real fights that happened uh, we'll talk about some fake fights. Stefan and me are going to criticize another country's political system at some point in there. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Red Dead fucking Redemption, though, man. That's that's going to be a lot of uh, what we're talking about at the end of this podcast. But, you, know also, a, um, you know what's a sad sign of the times, Bobby, is you said we're going to criticize a country. And in my head, the first question is which? Because we have some options. Ours, yep. theirs, yours. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sad, day, sad fucking week, by the way. Uh, Thoughts and prayers out to all the people uh, who lost somebody in Pittsburgh. That was... Oh, yeah. That's... Yeah, that's what happens when you got a white supremacy domestic terrorism problem nobody talks about. Few of those this week. Few of those this week. All right. Um, Just trades in MMA. There are trades in MMA, guys. (laughs) What the fuck? Didn't know that was... Yeah, we didn't know that was even on the fucking menu. We'll talk about that in a minute, but real quickly, we got to talk about Anthony Smith. Because Anthony Smith deserves some goddamn credit, folks. Because he's won, um, I think the technical term is a buttload of fights um, without anybody giving me any credit. Um, my man's won three in, a way, three in a row at light heavyweight, has won, I, I figured this shit out last week. He was 17 and 11, and now he's 31 and 13. So he's 14 and 2. All right? 14 and goddamn 2. Been on a tear, beating the people you need to beat for them to give you main event fights. Stefan, he went out there, fought Volkan Ozdemir. His entire strategy appeared to be, I'm going to wait for this dude to get tired. Uh, kind of worked. Got the job done I, in the third round, huh? <laughs> I mean, did he wait? He fought. He just got tagged a lot, too. You know? I, th- um, I thought in the oh. second round, he was just sitting there for a while, though. <laughs> I, I thought he was getting rocked. Um, I mean, maybe you want to give him credit. Uh, I mean, credit for winning. Like I said, is, this, is, this was the biggest test by far. But... Um, to kind of step back from your wanting to give him credit. I was kind of talking with you guys at the start of this show. He's kind of in the same spot, though. Even with his big win, he's in the same spot that I kind of pegged him before. And that's basically, I don't see anything in his skill set to challenge the trinity of this division, which would be Jones, DC, and um, hell, even, you know, Alexander Gustafson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pending Rumble if he ever unretires, but I think he's just too big now. I was going to say, Rumble's but, like uh, 250 easy right now, man. <laughs> he's not coming back to light heavyweight, but I mean, like I said, it's a big win for him, but he still takes shots well. 
He was only able to take down this guy because he's a pure stand-up guy who got really gassed, as you mentioned. Um, so it's kind of it's refreshing to have new blood, but new blood's really only exciting if you can actually slot them as a title contender. And he might be next, but it's kind of more out of default rather than like it's really exciting and like I'm really looking forward to him to getting a crack at the top guys. It kind of reminds me of uh, Matt Brown when Matt Brown had that push. Remember uh, a couple years ago. Well, we all had a good time with it, but we all knew, like, all right, man, Matt Brown finds a guy who knows how to aim for his body. This is the end of this fun, real quick. We're kind of like that. We're like we're having a late resurgence with Anthony Smith. He's not even that old, is he? Right? I mean, he's just had a lot of fights. What is it? What, what he got his age at here? Thirty years old. He's younger than all of us, but he's had forty-four fights. That's a lot of goddamn fights. Been knocked out eight times. Um, so like we know this isn't going to end necessarily with a title run, but it's really. Um, I kind of view him, Mike, as like we have Anthony Smith here, and we're if I was the UFC, I just wouldn't match him up with young people I expect to one day fight for the title, because he seems like the kind of guy who would just take some kid's best shot, and he'll still be there. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's enough heat on Anthony Smith that at this point, um, maybe when one more fight, you give him a shot at the title. Uh, I mean. Jones and and Gustafson are fighting at the end of the year. You would assume that maybe DC would be able to fight sometime in June because I don't think he's going to retire when he's forty. He he probably wants to fight Jones or Gustafson one more time. I think he's um, retiring. He's taking other job. He's doing other job interviews now. Well, we we can have a gentleman's bet on that to see if he fights uh one time in his forties, well into his forties, let's say. Because uh, he knows him well into his 40s now. I like that. Ballsy. Yeah. Okay. Well, well into his 40s. I mean, like six months into his 40s. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. What he is that like? 40, like not his 40s. And I think the, the Lesnar fight is supposed to be sometime in April. Uh, but I think that Anthony Smith, he's shown that he's very capable. He's been really good in the octagon. And you can't waste contenders when they come around. When someone's on a really good hot streak and he's looked impressive, come on, give him a title shot at this point. Come on, can we get back to just the regular course of business in the fight game? All right, Mike, ignoring everything I said, wants to get the man a title shot. Mark, what do you think? That's right. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I think this definitely puts him in a much better position, right? And I, I don't know. We talked about it earlier today, Bob, what Anthony Smith was ranked at. We know Voldemir. Oh, I can answer that Ozdemir, now. Sorry, was not Voldemir. Ozdemir was at two, right? And Anthony Smith, he thought, was at 10. Let me look at this right now while we're talking. I doubt they updated it that quickly. So, I mean, Mark, I, I think. Mark, just call him Voldemort. I, I, so, I'm not lying Voldemort? to people with Ozdemir? my uh, hashtag Harry Potter. can. <laughs> Um, um, no, but I mean, I think Anthony Smith is easily top five right now. So I kind of agree with Mike. I think he needs to get one more win and who they slot him in against. I think, you know, his probability of winning can greatly decrease or increase depending on who he's matched up with. He's at five now. He's at he was at 10. They haven't updated this since October. They haven't updated. So he was at 10 since October 8th. <laughs> yeah. And Ozdemir was at two. So I think him being in the top five makes sense. Um, but I think it also makes sense that he has to get at least one more win in to get that uh, title shot. But this was a huge win. I, I think him moving to light heavyweight, he had some good wins. But I think you can look at Rashad Evans and Shogun and kind of point the finger like these guys are probably past their prime and their best days are behind them. They're not the the killers they once were. So, I mean, you have to give him credit for those victories because they were 
first round TKO KO victories. You know, you can't discredit for that. But this was his first big test. And he got through it. He got the W. It just wasn't in a fashion that Stefan said that like his skill set didn't show us that like, oh man, this guy is really good at X, Y, and Z. It was in this fight in particular, which I didn't see, so it's really hard for me to criticize. And I haven't seen a lot of um, Anthony Smith's recent performances, which have been his standout performances. But I think, you know, the general consensus is that, like, he had a good game plan. His game plan was to take this fight into deep waters where he knew, you know, a submission would materialize a lot easier for him than early on. So he stuck to that game plan, and he got the submission late in the third. And I think that was a very smart strategy going into this fight. It's just, you know, some of these other guys that we're talking about, Gustafson and DC and especially John Jones, like there's not an easy strategy to win those guys. Their skill sets are so high. You can't just take them into deep waters and think you're going to get a win there. You have to be better at them in some aspect of the game. And I think that's where you can kind of be judgmental with Anthony Smith and be like, well, he's a good striker, but he's not like the elite highest caliber of striker we're seeing at you light and heavyweight. That's fair. And Daniel Cormier's assessment of him today was like, you can't have that kind of cardio against us. You can't be that tired. You have to be ready to fight more than just, you know, three rounds. Um, John Jones, people are like, John Jones was not impressed. Because as someone asked John Jones, and John Jones is real active now responding to people. They're like, what do you think Anthony Smith's performance? He said, it was all right. That was probably a fair assessment. It was all right. But you know what? He's beaten the people you need to beat to get bigger checks and get these bigger fights. So... Let's get the man yeah, another check. I, and I was going to say Jimmy Manoa was number five. Yeah, Manoa makes sense. Manoa or Glover's like seven. Maybe better than Glover. Glover was like seven. And then who was the guy that just fought um, OSP? Was that Dominic Reyes or Keys? What yeah. was that guy? Dominic yeah, Reyes. but I, I would, I would, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I would, like, I think I would keep him away from a young guy because Dominic got tired too. And like, well, I don't want to, I, I don't want to mess with the old guys. He's going to be able to fight. I was going to say, give him like young guys fight each other and then have that be kind of a title eliminator. At least you get something out of that, right? You, you kill one off, but you, you hype in the other one to get that title shot. Maybe Dominic isn't ready I'm gonna for say, that like, yet. Manawa but... is five. Latifi's four. I give me either of those two guys. Ooh, Latifi's be... not bad. I don't think he's going to beat him either of these two guys yet. I mean, even Blockowitz, give him that guy. How is Latifi so high? Is, is he, he just like sliding up the ranks by like being stationary? He sledgehammered a couple guys to get up there. Yeah, let's not let's not disrespect the great sledgehammer here, man. What what did he beat? He beat Corey Anderson. No, no, he's fighting Corey Anderson. He beat OSP. That will do it. OSP was fighting for the title last year. There you go. I guess it's like who doesn't beat OSP lately? OSP, yeah. If you know what you're doing, OSP is not going to beat you. It's pretty simple at this point. He's a gatekeeper. He's the gatekeeper to do you have a real skill set? And, yeah. you know, you mentioned him. Dominic Reyes kind of passed him flying colors in that. Uh, Michael Johnson punched uh, Artem Lobov in the face a bunch, but didn't do as well as you honestly would hope he would. Um, Artem managed to, meant to control the distance of the fight by just kind of walking in the punches and walking Johnson down. Johnson doesn't really like going backwards, but he still was easily better than him. I mean, do you got anything to say about this, Steph? That pretty much sums it up. I, I don't like Michael Johnson talking on the mic. His his turn of phrases are are never really good. I think what did he say? He invited everyone to the menace train or something. Yeah, nobody knows your nickname, bad. man. Nobody knows his nickname. It's a problem. Nobody knows his nickname. You're not that popular. <laughs> yeah, uh, mo moving along. Yeah, uh, Pat Cummins, Misha Serkinov. Um, Misha Serkinov needed to go out there and do this, which was just work. Patrick Cummins, Steph, right? Just put him down, handle business. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is what I want to see. This is the thing that impresses me, and this is a guy game where um, Smith, though impressive, I don't want to just see him 
either knock out old fading guys like Shogun or just kind of outlast someone. Serkanov put a stamp on it. He showed he can handle Patrick Cummins wrestling. And if there's one thing Patrick Cummins can do, it's wrestle. Patrick Cummins, he may not be a good fighter, but he can take you down. Can he keep you down? Can he do anything with it once he gets you there? Does he have the gas tank to do it again? Those are all questionable, but he can't take you down. He could not take Serkanov down. Serkanov lit him up. He he is a hell of a grappler. Like this is what this is what I want to see to be excited in a prospect. I want to see someone assert their skill set on someone. And granted, the level of competition was lower, but hey, that's what you're supposed to do to these guys. And Serkanov, he looks good. Man's got 14 wins with 12 finishes. That's what you want to see in your rising up and comers. Exactly. Um, do you got anything to say about the Andre Sukumtoth fight besides the fact that Jaron Vallel remains a dangerous, incompetent referee? <laughs> yes. Um, that that weird again, Bobby. If you didn't see, if you didn't see it, or if you did, Bobby's mentioning a, a it was a tie clinch where Sukumtoth had need him. None of them were officially declared a low blow upon replay. It definitely wasn't a low blow, and Vallel just separated them. He didn't call it a low blow and thus assess the fighter his five minutes if he wants it are you okay he just broke them up made them shake hands and then continue fighting that is not in the rules um but what i want to say about sukumtat is he's the kid who i gave grief for having a bad fight iq he still has a bad fight iq i don't know what it is he was clearly better standing than this guy and every time he rocked him he would clinch him into a front headlock which he would do nothing with and he would just sit there for like 40 seconds until um what was the opponent's name? Uh, Jonathan Martinez. Yeah, he was a newcomer, but he kept... He basically... The three rounds were... Sukumtot would light him up with knees or punches, and then he would clinch him until he recovered. Rinse, wash, repeat. That's how we end up in a decision. Like, Sukumtot is not a grappler. I don't know why whenever he succeeds, he instinctively wants to grapple. Like, it is just weird to watch. You guys know that, uh, that meme of... Spider-Man just looking at each other and pointing to Spider-Man? Yes. Ed Herman versus John Volante. Gotcha. Laughs. Laughs. Honestly, it's really just like Ed John Volante is looking at himself about five years from now, right? Like, <laughs> And with red hair. <laughs> it's, he's the same fucking guy, man. Like Ed Herman's 38. He's had 37, 38 fights. John Volante is 33. He's had 27 fights. This is the same fucking guy, man. For five years, that's who he is. I, I gave up some ground on the picks in this fight by picking Ed Herman, but I'm going to stick by. This was a robbery. That was three rounds of them standing in front of each other and trading punches in the face, and Ed Herman outlanded him by six. That's it. That's the fight. Oh, right yeah, but Ed Herman him two punches around. Ed Herman paid the ginger tax. What, Mike? Go ahead. All that matters is that me and Bobby picked Jean Vellante. Did you pick Jean Vellante, too? God damn it, Mike. Mike made up ground, too. I mean, no, but this is the joke of that fight is like, I don't understand what anyone was seeing to not just go to the store count. There were no good punches. There were no bad punches. <laughs> it was three rounds of them just standing in front of him. It was rock'em sock'em. They had this like finite space that they could only occupy. And that's all that fight was. And, and you think that would be an exciting fight, yet somehow it was boring. And then uh, just because I think three of us picked against our boy. I think that's it's the th- yeah. I think Mike's only met the guy once, too. We met him like five times. <laughs> Mike's seen him. How many times have you seen Court McGee, Mike? Once, maybe twice? <laughs> and if you didn't see the fight, Court McGee won in the most Court McGee fashion, and that is just trying to survive. It's, it's like his, <laughs> it's like his 
fight against heroin. It's a man who just wouldn't <laughs> give up, just kept trying, didn't necessarily do anything, but boy, did he try hard in that fight, and that won him the decision. No one That's wins really all that fight. That's all you guys last week. You don't bet against a man who beat heroin. That's, I guess, fair. <laughs> tough, yeah. tough, tough to argue that now in retrospect. Mm. Um. All right. Yeah. And then uh, I think that I mean, I didn't watch any rest of the shit. To be honest, uh, if you guys would like, because I guess we're coming up on the last two months of the season. For those of you that keep up with the standings, uh, Steph is still in first with a two-game lead. Uh, it's only a two-game lead because your boy Lavender Gooms came strong with a forward one week. Bitch, I got I, I caught up two games too on him. Uh, how could you catch up two games on him when I went four and one? You went three and two. What the fuck? I went to what? What, what, what oh, do you mean? Shots fired, gentlemen. I got Volante and I got Anthony Smith. You bitch. You picked Ozdemir. Uh, I had four wins. You had three. You picked Ozdemir too. Yeah, and that was my only loss. Okay, give me a second. I'm doing math here. <laughs> Mark, life is nicer at the bottom, right? You don't got to worry about this nonsense. I, I already won the title, so I'm just I'm I'm phoning it. In I this picked year. two games on him too, then didn't I? You're like uh, you know, you're like our man Eddie Alvarez. You're free to go fight in some other organization. I just wanted to get the belt. I didn't want to hold it. I picked up two games on him. How do you pick up? All right, let's I, do I, some I, I, I picked the, I picked I picked Volante. He picked Herman. I picked Smith. He picked Ozdemir. There's your two. Okay, Steph has two wins this week. You have three. How Mark, did you? I really think this segment doesn't need to make the final podcast. Well, you know what? Now it's just in the podcast. We're not going to cut it out. This is all gold, yeah. baby. <laughs> Steph got three right. We should timestamp this. Who wants to hear the argument? The gang has an argument. Mike's got to do his math. I got some more. I got some additional math. All I know is I picked up two games. I don't know how many much I mean, Mike picked up. I'm winning this shit. Two time champ coming up. Anyway, um, we talked a lot about a pretty inconsequential card, but uh, we want to talk about fucking trades in MMA, right? Because uh, that's a thing. Um, Exciting. Yeah. Um, so apparently, uh, the UFC sent Mighty Mouse. I guess this was a trade because the U- it's in the UFC contract that they can transfer your rights, which guys should probably read that shit before they sign it. Yeah. Dude, Eddie Alvarez getting sued by Bellator is still like, for my purposes of being able to read a fucking UFC contract, it's like most entertaining shit ever. It's I still got a UFC contract saved. Mike's watching Dancing with the Stars. Um, yeah, uh, the UFC traded gave away Demetrius Johnson's rights to one fi- one championship. It's not called one FC anymore, and they gave him Ben Askren back. And Demetrius Johnson's back. already got a new contract. Well, in exchange for back, Tri- and that's what I meant. Um, Demetrius Johnson's got a new contract. Which apparently is more than Eddie Alvarez's contract. Burn. Which it depends how much you believe Malky Kawa, which in my opinion is generally zero. But I think Malky's just saying that to fuck with uh, fuck with Ali because he doesn't like Ali. So and Ali got Eddie Alvarez's contract. So, but uh, Mighty Mouse is going to one FC. Um, ben Askren's coming to the UFC. Ben Askren's called out all the UFC fighters. Uh, between 170, 155 pounds. To be fair, he That's always did that and never stopped. So it's yeah. not really news. It's just uh, we, ben a, um, we were at a card where Ben Askren was in attendance and just kept calling Johnny Hendricks fat the whole yeah, fight. Yeah, well, we saw did. him literally yell at Johnny Hendricks, get on his phone, and then it was like, oh, I bet he's going to tweet. <laughs> no, 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 remember, I had my phone up and we saw him typing. I just kept refreshing. I'm like, call Johnny Hendricks fat again. Call he's Johnny Hendricks. <laughs> 
<laughs> he kept calling it. He wasn't in the corner. He he didn't have the good fighter seats, you know, where you make it on camera. Uh, he was actually like in the section like we were. He was just yelling at Johnny Hendricks. The, I fucking love that. The best was like he asked like on Twitter. He asked the MMA junkie reporter for like his battery pack so he could charge even his phone charge while he was <laughs> shit talking Johnny Hendricks. Um. So um. Between that Mighty Mouse getting traded and uh, Cejudo possibly fighting TJ, I think that means the division's gone. But that's a conversation for a later date, quite frankly. Um, Marcus, w- I guess your reaction would be the way to go here, just beyond just bewilderment. Uh, what do you uh, think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a we. It's I mean, first of all, the trade in general is very unheard of, right? Like. There have been multiple MMA organizations for a while now, and they would talent would move from one to the other. But there's never been an instance like this where an organization or two organizations are like, "You'll get this guy, I'll get that guy," and and enforce this like trade. So I mean, this on its face is very interesting, and it was really cool just to see all the fighters be like, "Oh, trades are open now. Let's get Jose Aldo over in Bellator." And a lot of fighters kind of picking and choosing who they would want to come over to their organization. I think this potentially could open the doors to a lot of really fun, interesting matchups. Um, but let's just focus on, on this trade. At face value, it would kind of seem like a bad trade for the UFC in that you're trading one of your most decorated, talented fighters for a guy that you know extensively said he retired. I mean, Ben Askren, I don't know how many long ago it was. It wasn't super long. It was like six or eight months, Bob, where Ben kind of retired. Um, so for an organization to kind of trade for a retired fighter, it, on face it seems bad. But when you really look at it and break down what UFC has attempted to do and failed to do with T, uh, with DJ, it kind of makes sense why they would be so willing to let him go. For, for a fighter that has a lot of the features that the new organization of UFC and Zufa is more interested in promoting, right? Ben Askren while as a fighter maybe isn't the most um, you know fan-friendly guy, he's not a guy that goes out for knockdowns. He's really a guy that will wrestle you and do light ground and pound as he steals rounds away. He's not really a guy that you're going to get barn burners or you know classic back-and-forth matches. I think a lot of Ben Askren fights would just, can this guy handle the wrestling pedigree that he's going to bring to you? And that answer is either yes, and it's unseen because we have seen very few people be successful against Ben Askren. Or it's no, and the guy just dominates you on the ground. So I think him coming into the welterweight division, there's a lot of interesting matchups, which Ben has been asking for. If you're not familiar with Ben Askren, this is a guy that, that we talked about earlier that like he's always been pushing to get in the UFC. He's always egging their top talent that he's a better fighter and he's a more accomplished wrestler and that he would just run circles around them in the octagon. And now we're finally going to see... You know, just how much of that is hype and how much of that is reality. Ben is an extremely talented and well-versed wrestler who's done very well in MMA. But we've also seen him have some really tough outings in 1FC. Um, when he comes in the UFC, how is he going to do with the likes of the names they're throwing around with him? Name, uh, I think mostly people are talking about GSP and even Hab- uh, Habib. Look, there's, think- not, okay, there's not a fucking chance they're giving him either of those two guys to reverse. But, though, right? well, who else, I mean, who are they realistically going to slot Dude, him nobody in knows with? who he is. So, I know, but so why Dana, even take this trade uh, in that way? Like no, they got- about Ben Askren, and he said that he would likely get a top five guy right off the bat. They must be paying him. I mean, there's one FC was probably paying him, I guess. But yeah, oh, they, they traded one of their guys that they were. I mean, was do we ever get confirmation? Was uh, Mighty Mouse making seven figures? Was he breaking a hundred per fight? You mean just six- on pay? Oh, he was making over a million a fight, especially okay. at the end. With I mean, Mal- especially- to with think Malky. that. 
they're not. They don't have to pay Mighty Mouse anymore. They have to pay Ben, so they have about. Yeah, I mean, do you do you think? I mean, I think they got to give him at least one fight before they put him in like a like what would be essentially be a pay per view main event. They got to give him a fight with somebody. Like like they even they, they, they made Jake Shields fight Martin Campman. I'm saying like they got to give you one guy before they give you. Well, this who fight. do you think they're gonna slot him in with? Because I think that's an interesting. Kobe Covington. Ooh, that'd be good because they those are two. Uh, I mean, they kind of house the same kind of archetype right though is he fighting what happened to woodley woodley broke his hand is coming to fight god i think i think that's a, I think that makes a, a point, lot man. Of sense because like i said they fit the same type of person they like to talk a lot of shit they're both wrestlers they don't have a lot of power in their hands they slot in the same spot essentially where they're gonna win their fights usually by just out grappling the person we've seen uh covington win some fights standing up when he fought damian maya but for the most part, they're very similar fighters. I, think I like the Mos- I like the Masvidal idea too. Personally, that one's really good too. I like that one. You brought that up earlier in the week. I mean, fuck it. Let's just talk about that. I mean, let's just. Stefan, who do you want the fight? <laughs> I was say I think you guys are focusing on the wrong weight class. Um, Askren was brought in to give Habib a challenger when Habib probably, unfortunately, ultimately closes the Conor McGregor book. Um, I think that rematch happens, and I think the Conor phenomena just kind of goes downhill from there that's what that's what askren's here for is can, can I, I, I know he's 55? i know historically he is a welterweight um he's very open and the first person he called out was habib i think he knows what the fight is for him in the ufc and i, I think that's what we're building to maybe he does start with i think masvidal is perfect a competent grappler but someone he could potentially you know just run circles on to kind of make his name but i think that's what i think i don't think it happens first but i think that's what he's here for can man, he make he's, 55? He's a Is big guy, man. He's 5'10". Would Habib go to 70 to fight him? I don't Habib, know. I don't, I don't know think Habib's long for that weight class. I think 165 is happening, right? Like, that's what's happening here, right? I mean, what do we... I mean, that's my extended theory, as I said to Bob, is I think Mighty Mouse's division is folding. They'll probably create 65, and it'll, that way it's the same number of belts. That makes sense. I'm trying to see what he wrestled. I'm trying to find what he wrestled at, like how many kilograms he was competing at. 74 kilograms i think that is 170 pounds actually yeah i mean that's just that's just my only question that's why i didn't even really because there's been a lot of habib talk but i just he wrestled at 163 when he wrestled in the olympics 10 years ago was 163 i think 165 staff but that's a lot that's a lot to ask from the guy he's not a small man (laughs) and older too right is he in his late 30s he's 34 okay that's not too bad i don't know i mean yeah mike what do you think well, one, I'd feel really bad for Sergio Pettis. I mean, we all thought he was going to be an eventual 125 champ, right? Well, he said he's moving up to 135 anyway. I didn't, and when I finally picked at him, he, he got... Fucking Formiga beat him, man. Formiga. Yeah, I got so, Formiga. Yeah, yeah he, he wasn't really on the verge. This is going to be a big tax write-off. This entire weight class is well, going to be for them. But to, to talk about what you, uh, what you were referring to, I... See it as a win-win because I think the relationship between Mighty Mouse and the UFC at this point was beyond repair. They really didn't want to promote him as we've seen for the last few years. And I think Mighty Mouse, by the end of it, he was having fun, you know, suddenly needling them and just saying, pay me more money, pay me more money. And they didn't want to pay him more money. And they were happy to, I think, to see him, to see him lose. And he didn't want to be in the UFC. They really didn't want to deal with him anymore. So they got something out of nothing, in my opinion. Um, they really shouldn't close that way close down. Well, you know, they have a fucking Olympic that, champion as the champ as a guy there. Come on, man! Like if you're gonna give it another shot, 
He's got a well, gold medal. As, Let's take a as crack the, at it. As the guy that Bobby hates, Brendan Schaub said, um, Dana White is a very emotional guy. And I think at this point, maybe someone else should be running this shit. If this, these are the types of decisions he's making where he runs off one of the greatest martial artists to ever do it, who's still in his prime. By the way, uh, someone's going to explain to me how to watch one championship. Is this shit free? Is that really the case? Can I like... It should better be free. I pay money for Demetrius. It's just randomly on without prompt. And he'll just happen to stumble on it. I have it in my head that they said, like, you could watch it on the app for free. And if I can fucking get that app to go on Chromecast, uh, I'm in, man. Eddie Alvarez, Demetrius Johnson... I'm just, watch. Not forward, I'm just not looking forward to the time of day I'll have to wake up for. It's not bad for you because I've, I've definitely watched like their main event at like 6 a.m. before. I know that. I'm like, not I, waking I, up for anything at 6 a.m. Motherfucker, you live in New York. 9 a.m. <laughs> Think about it. For the love of God. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I love Mighty Mouse. I'm happy you got paid. So, And Ben Askren... Fuck, let's, Mike, you made a good point. Let's just, I don't know what the, what the is going on in these divisions. I, Steph, I don't think Connor's going to fight Khabib. Honestly. Well, Ben Askren will take him out too. Ben Askren's going to take out everyone. I didn't say it, but of all the outside UFC champions that I have championed entering the UFC, Ben Askren is my man because he is that perfect amount of boring that I like. Ben Askren fights the way Mark likes to play the video game. He's just gonna. I'm gonna get that decision, and I'm gonna control it. I'm gonna control my, it. I'm, my only issue with that stuff is that we've seen that type of guy come in with Jake Shields, and they just they they can never quite get to that level. And I I fear that if Ben was gonna get over that hump, those days have kind of passed him at this point. But I, I want to be proven wrong. I want to be proven. The thing wrong. is, Jake didn't have great takedowns. He would he would want to be taken down. He'd he'd lay that lay. Ben Askren's one ben of the highest much, caliber you're right. and he's wrestlers much to enter the UFC period. In terms of his credentials, um, he may have like failed out in the Olympics, but on the American level, he won everything he was supposed to. I think two-time NCAA champion. He won like the Pan American Games gold medals. He's that's why I find him exciting, is because he was the one who kind of, in my eyes, anyways, he's the one who really popularized Khabib's style of takedown, which is the chain wrestling. Um, and that's the thing that I just like hearing. That's why I like Ben Askren. His chain wrestling was unparalleled until kind of Habib started making his name. So to see that run into each other, that would really, really excite me. I'm just, Stefan, just, let's, let's avoid Ben Askren's Twitter account. Okay. I want you to keep liking him. Is he a bad person? <laughs> I mean, he's like Covington, I guess, if that goes for you. <laughs> uh, I always thought Askren was smarter, though, whereas Covington, my issue with him is he just comes off really no, dumb. Ben Askren appears to believe what's coming out of his mouth is the problem. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that happened, man. Um, 1FC, got to find a way to watch that. Ben Askren, we'll see when he fights. He fought more recently than I thought he had. He beat up Shinya Aoki last November. And then um, he retired. That was like his retirement fight. Yeah. I think they even he was, before They the also fight. weren't cutting weight in 1FC. Like everybody yeah. just kind of like everybody just kind of like moved up, kind of like you had like Ben Askren was fighting like at 184 pounds. Just- yeah. I mean, really, um, we haven't talked about the flip of the coin. All, all I'm really interested in one FC is that they're obviously making a lot of big moves to get talent, high level talent from the UFC. So I have to imagine they have some kind of game plan to either. 
garner more of the Dude. U.S. audience, which I don't think they've been doing a particular great job at. Um, and they obviously have a lot of cash flow right now, which is also surprising because, like we talked about, we don't hear about their events. I don't know. They must be. I mean, Bobby, do you have any idea? Are they killing it in Asia? And they're like top. Yeah, dog? they're all, honestly they're doing a really good job in terms of distribution and stuff. It's just I don't think they give a fuck about us. But right why now. get the talent? Because the people there give a fuck about them. That's even surprising. <laughs> but I, I'm, just, I'm interested to see what 1FC does with this new talent. Are they going to be able to find guys that are going to be able to challenge them and make their own stars by pitting them against guys that are well-established that we know and having like, man, you know, we hear after the fact, oh, Mighty Mouse had, you know, he won in 1FC, but man, the guy fought him was really good. He really put him in a tough fight. And maybe that draws more eyes to the product. I'm just, I'm, I'm really curious to see 1FC throw so much money around at these UFC established stars and just see where this is all going to lead down the line. Yeah, who's, we'll the, who's the equivalent of the 125 champ in 1FC? Oh, there's some guy who owns 125 and 135, I think. I'm, 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 so I, Mighty Mouse I, getting both of those, right? Well, no, Mighty like, Mouse is... Uh, like maybe on the same night? What is... Uh, Steph, do you know what Bibiano fights at? They still got Bibiano Fernandez over there. I thought Bibiano was a bantamweight. Let's see. Let's, let me look at the damn champions. I thought he was 135-er. So they're a hundred. They have Horiguchi, don't they? Bibiano is Bibiano is not Bibiano is not their champion. Like oh, he's the he's the champion. They got an interim champ. Man, they got a lot of Filipinos. Are about to lose their belts, Steph. That's what it looks like. All these little dudes have Filipino flags next to their names. <laughs> you don't even know them, Bobby. You don't know how big that Philippines MMA scene is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't either. I never saw a single thing relating to MMA when I was in the Seriously, they're like their 115 pound champion, 125 pound champion, 130. They're all Filipinos. Mighty Mouse, Mighty Mouse coming for all that gold. His manager is the matchmaker over there. His manager, his manager, his head coach, uh, Matt Hume. So um, this is going to be a ridiculously long episode the way we're going. We got to pick up the fucking pace. Um, so yeah, that happened. Um, what else is that we're going to talk about? Real quickly, you know what? This is a, we we can probably pin this in for a conversation to see what actually comes out of it. But Paramount Network's president left, and that's Kevin K. And Kevin K. was the biggest champion of mixed martial arts that that network ever had. And they're over on the zone right now. Bellator. Don't think they're. I, I, we talked about. We kind of put it out there ourselves. We didn't think they were long for that network. Looking more like more like a reality. We're gonna have to check. We're gonna have to check in on that. See where it goes. And then uh, apparently DAZN's going to be a thing, guys, because they just gave Canelo Alvarez like $400 million. So they got – I think they got um, Anthony Joshua too, didn't they, Mike? Did you hear about that? Uh, yeah, if I'm right, Anthony Joshua's last fight was on DAZN. Yeah, and they also, got him. Um, has Floyd Mayweather's bankroll at the top of the boxing sport, did that make you think for a second when you heard Canelo's number? Like, man, that's that's really low. Well, I think they gave him what? It was like a 10-year... They gave him 10 fights f for like 400. Wasn't that what it was? So like 40 a fight? I don't know how much he makes, honestly. Yeah, but that, that sounds like two fights from Floyd. Is it only going to be on the zone? That's the I thing. Like, believe so, yeah. I mean, there, why I mean, would they pay him that much money if another distributor is going to be able to... Well, I mean, you know, maybe it's like country-specific. Maybe like country-specific, maybe? Like certain places he gets different cuts or something? I don't know. We'll see. Um... All right. Um, I said we're going to talk about MMA history. Let's talk about MMA history. Uh, the couple of fights worth pointing out. Um, Kane beat the crap out of Brock Lesnar. October 23rd, 2010. Um, just watching that. 
with Mike, I remember. We were watching that. And Mike really wanted to go to the bar. And he was like, come on, Kane, do it quick. And then Kane did it real quick. <laughs> that, that, I remember that stuck out. You're like, all right, we can leave. Um, uh, Junior Dos Santos, uh, in his UFC debut, knocked out Verdum, made his ears wiggle, famously. Um, Machida defeated Shogun by bullshit decision, October 24, 2009. Uh, another reason that card's re- uh, relevant, Stefan, because we've talked about this fight many times. Anthony Johnson showed up like seven pounds overweight and murdered uh, Yoshida. I mean, who didn't murder Yoshida? The old <laughs> UFC like intro for their shows that they used to have on like Spike TV. You had like three Sean Salmons and like two Yoshidas. Like they were just the knockout special. I think that was the was it Yoshida against Kostrek or Anthony Johnson where he got hit, but he bounced against the cage, so he came back. He got hit one more time. Kostrek's the one where he just kind of falls backward, like all rigor mortis style. Um, there's a few of them, man. Poor Yoshida. He was just he was so small, like. Anthony Johnson, who would one day go on to compete at heavyweight, fighting like a non-weight cutting like Japanese one seventy pounder, like that was that was a sight was, to behold back then. Yeah, that, I don't know how that California Commission let that shit fly. Marcus, October twenty eighth, two thousand ten. Dana White announced that the WEC was being folded into the UFC. Famously, Jose Aldo was just became champion because he had no fights left on his thing, on his uh, in his on his WEC uh, on the WEC schedule. Dominic Cruz faced. Scotty Jorgensen, I believe, in his final his final fight, and what would determine who was going to go become the UFC bantamweight champion, and then Anthony Pettis just kind of got folded into the 155 pound division when he was their champion. Big deal, Marcus. Big big deal for the light well, lightweight classes. Um, WC, an organization that you covered a good amount. I remember you went to a good number of shows while you were working for that radio station, right? Uh, yeah, they, they they obviously with Uriah being a big star and um, the Mink stationed out of Sacramento, they held a couple of shows I was able to go to. Um, yeah, it was it was a big acquisition for them, and mostly because it got us all these uh, lower weight classes that the UFC has has always been a little iffy dipping their toe uh, their toe in. They had lightweight for a while and dropped it, and then only recently around this time kind of brought it back, and that's when WC kind of really got its uh, resurgence. Uh, you know, getting a deal on versus. And getting in the MMA mindshare, um, I don't think at the time it was super surprising because I think even the Aldo Faber fight was like it was on pay per view. It seemed like a very Zufa product even at that time. So I think when this eventually happened, it was. I mean, I don't think I was too surprised, but I, I was happy for it. You know, I was. It was good. It was a good mindset to be like, oh man, Uriah Faber is probably going to have a lot more eyes on him. He's a big star that deserves the spotlight. Obviously, at that time, Jose Aldo had already taken the belt and solidified it as his own and Faber maybe never reached the peaks that we thought maybe he once could if he was champion but still a lot of talent came out of that a lot of the stars that we're, st- we're still looking at today so yeah Stefan Mark mentioned it the Aldo Faber card um this was really a, a merger that you could really put on Uriah Faber's popularity a lot of it and Jose Aldo too being a big factor as well but you guys went to the card and I think a lot of the UFC being willing to do this came from that pay-per-view where Aldo and Faber on a card that was a WC card, sold almost 200,000 pay-per-views, which, mm. big deal, quite frankly, for a yeah. different organization to do that. <laughs> it's fantastically amazing. You know, it's like you said, uh, when we talked about it before, when we used to do our memoirs and just kind of talk about things present us, I always said, the WEC is kind of my favorite organization, just because the entire stint, which I watched it, which is probably the Zufa run, not back when they still had, like, the welterweights and, like, the early days, back when uh, our man, Clay Guida, was uh no no that was strike force my bad never mind anyways 
but it was a really great organization. And in my head, I always think about that pay-per-view as an event, you know, just the amount of fighters that came from it, like all my really favorite guys were really there. That was the Korean zombie getting robbed from Leonard Garcia, but still, you know, terrible decision, which made it infamous. It was one of the most fun fights I'd ever seen in person. Um, just a fantastic card and pretty much look at the people who competed on it. They all validated themselves. You know, they, they all went on to have very legit careers. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, I always talk about – I think I've mentioned this at least like 10 times. But like Miguel Torres, man, is one of those guys. Or at least Faber was able to become popular and stuff. But Miguel Torres was so good in the WC. He had some insane record at one point. Wasn't it like 45 and like four or some shit? And he literally fell off right before. Marcus, right, right before yeah, he got he, in, he, he had, had a like, great record. Right before, yeah, yeah, it just all fell apart before the UFC got in there. And I mean, it hasn't really ever been the same for him. Like, I don't even hear about Miguel Torres. I don't know if he's retired, if he's still active, but it was a shame, right? He he was a he was a, a shining star that just kind of uh, supernova before the UFC was. Yeah, able he to ran he run. ran one thirty five while uh, while Uriah was running one forty five. Really, I still got like my, my best. The only Blu Ray I've ever purchased and watched multiple times is the best of the WEC. Excellent fucking Blu Ray. If somebody was out there buying Blu Rays, Blu Rays. Um, and then seven oh, years ago today, one, wait, one more thing about the WEC. A notable thing at the press conference when Dana White announced the decision, a reporter asked. Is Britney coming? To which Dana White said, "Yes, Britney is coming as well." Oh, that was that was why that's Stefan's favorite organization, man. Britney was a big part of it. Um, and then seven years ago today, we all went to UFC 137. While me and Mark and Stefan sat on one side of the arena, next to the BJ Penn fans on the other side of the arena, J- our friend Jake, a pissed off Mike. And his sleeping friend Rudy sat on the other side of the arena while we just kept looking over like, man, nobody's talking to anybody. <laughs> if only we could have had like a split cam of like <laughs> and then just, you know, that adamantium level thick tension this, that this we could is the see level. across the way. Like, oh man, is, what an event that was. This is the most inside shit we're ever talking about with this podcast. Is Mike was really angry at his friend and we couldn't stop laughing from the other side of the <laughs> arena. <laughs> We felt so bad. Like, we didn't tell Like, we just like, oh, man, we're just sending Jake out there to sit in this tension. <laughs> it's very simple. You, you know, you don't got to know anybody. All you have to know is one side of the room was having the time of their lives, and the other side was feeling the exact opposite. Oh, we're sitting next to the BJ Penn section. Mark just kept yelling, 209, bitch, while BJ's getting pummeled by Nick. I remember that. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> um, you guys should go to a live fight. It's fun. You have a good time. Almost always. I, I, always, always, though, yeah, I always get uh, kind of sleepy halfway through the card, especially when you get there for the first fights. Uh-huh. Oh, if you want to get a lot of high fives, uh, yell sweep the leg. People will like think you're awesome. They think I, you're I hilarious. I definitely recommend it. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, let's do 20 questions. Marcus, take the lead here. Yeah, we uh, got a tough one for you guys this week. I should have mentioned that earlier. This one could be tough, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Yeah, the guys will have 20 questions to narrow down the fighter that I'm thinking about this week. So who wants to start us off? I think you need a jingle, Mark. We need to play you into this segment. (laughs) We'll work on that. Obviously, Dude, it's it's been like a month since I've mentioned uh, the history segment's actual name. Well, you're running the show, Bob. You really, yeah. you really gotta. You uh, gotta hold on, hold on, guys, guys, guys. I got a way to try to 
Um, you got in one? To ask if it's a guy anymore. All right. Okay. Does this person fight at 155 or more? Uh, no, this fighter does not fight at 155 or more. Mike, it could just be a light woman or a light man now, you dumb bitch. What, the, what did we? What did you solve? Well, it's not a bad question. It does narrow some things down, but not necessarily the thing Mike was shooting for. I think Mike was really confident that I was going to say, yeah, it is over 155. So and, this and person fought. Down. Wait, did he include 155 in that question or not? Yes, I did. So you're so saying no to yeah, no, this fighter does not fight at 55 or higher. So they're 145 or less. Suck it, Bobby. I did narrow that shit down a lot. <laughs> okay. Is it a man? <laughs> is it a man? Uh, No, it's not a man. Okay, because only so many Yo, women I fighting stuff on. Come on. I, th I, th I think Mark changed that shit on the fly right now. He's I, I didn't. look stupid. I did not. I did not do it, Mike. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make you feel stupid. It's just you're, you're choosing your own path. Stefan, go ahead, man. Are they currently active? Uh, yes, they are a currently active fighter. Man, they're they like fight? three retired women. Do they fight so at 145 pounds? Uh, no, they don't fight at 145. Good job, Mike. You eliminated two girls. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Has this, has this person been champion in a major, uh, one of the organizations we always refer to? Let's go. Uh, let me just make sure. Mike, Mark, no. making sure the Bellator champions this person's okay, not Okay, <laughs> that rules out the two girls fighting this, this Saturday. <laughs> Mark, are they Asian? Uh, no, they're not Asian. So we're at six now. Just keep keep you guys heads up. Asian. Yeah. This person fight. So they? Did you say they weren't a champion? No, they were not a champion. All right. I was gonna go real obscure with Gergel's wife. Do they um, currently fight in the UFC? Uh, yes, they do currently fight in the UFC. Do they fight in the UFC at 115 pounds? Uh, no, they do not fight in the UFC at 115 pounds. It's 125, 135. Like, those are the same people. You're thinking about the same people. <laughs> is this person Brazilian? Uh, no, this female fighter is not Brazilian. Have they ever fought for the title? Uh, they have fought for the title, and that is 10. All right, we're narrowing in now. They white? Uh, yes. This female fighter is white. Uh, I don't see the world in those colors, but you guys do, and I have to play by your rules. Do they have a relationship with another UFC fighter? Mm, I want to say no, but... <laughs> personal life here and see who this person's dating? Are, is this fighter white? I already yeah, asked yeah. that question. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. Yeah. What was uh, the answer? So, Steph, I'm gonna go with no. I'm just, I'm not a hundred percent. What What was the answer to? Are they white? Yes. Yeah, they are white. Mark, blonde hair. Uh, no. Were they on the last all female season of The Ultimate Fighter? Dude, nobody fucking knows that. Uh, no. Okay, so it's definitely not the two people fighting this weekend. What are we at? We're at fourteen. Ooh wee! See, what are the uh, what, in my head, what? I'm only thinking of like individual fighters now. I can't 
think of ways to is anybody else thinking about roxanne that it's not her she's fighting this weekend and she was on the last all-female season of the ultimate fighter I like that she was on two seasons of the Ultimate. I was gonna say I didn't know she was on two seasons. I thought she was just on that one season. She was on <laughs> the last one, where it was one twenty-five. She fought for I, the title when Salida Eubanks. Uh, correct, and I can still off. confirm I did not make a mistake. She did not fight because <laughs> honestly, if I picked Roxy, I might not have remembered that she was. On, like, <laughs> I was gonna say, and I'm like, she this fought is... for the title. Uh, Roxy did, but it's it's yeah. not Roxy. It's not anyone yeah. from that season. Mike's question yeah. is, is still in play. It still counts. So it's a brunette. Uh, Are they American? Um, technically, no, they're not American, and that's fifteen. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Technically, what the they're not an American. <laughs> Mark's got his passport information in front of him right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Fuck! Are they a naturalized citizen? That's not. Well, that wasn't a question. That wasn't a question. <laughs> That was a rhetorical question. I I can explain in better detail why I put that moniker on it. Okay. All right, gents, we got five more questions. There was a couple questions you asked that if you went down that road could probably lead you to figuring this person out. Was there another season of Tough Mike with the, the girls who were 135, 125 pounds? 135, uh, 125, 135, no. wasn't there a, uh, uh, 135, there was a season that... Uh, yeah, Shayna was on. and B- Yeah, that Pena was the wanted. season with Ronda. I think there was one were they on? Were they on a season of The Ultimate Fighter? I do not believe so, but let me, let me double check. Okay, at this point, I'm running out of options because everybody was in that fucking season. And he said they weren't champion before, right? No, they weren't they were champion, champion, but they fought for the they title. They fought for champion, and, and, and I do not believe she was ever in a season of The Ultimate Fighter. Have they fought for a title in the last year? Uh, No. So you're asking if they fought for the UFC title at that point? Yeah, basically. Yeah. An active fighter. We're at 17. So you guys got two more questions, and then we need... Is she Canadian? Canadian? She is Canadian. Is it Sarah Kaufman? Oh, fuck. She oh, didn't damn, fight for it. Oh. I blew it. My bad. That was 19. And then, unfortunately, yeah. it is not Sarah Kaufman. Not a bad guess. Sarah this... Kaufman's also already been the answer. It, she has already also already been one was of it the Alexis Davis? fighters I've been so far. Do you guys it? have any other guesses? That was a close one, Sarah Kaufman. You're on. Yeah, the... I already blew it, guys. Somebody might as well just say Well, yeah, yeah. The game's over. Uh, go with Alexis Davis, I guess. It was Alexis Davis. Good job. Fuck. That's on me, guys. Sorry. That's okay. Got you a jumped, little. Ju- it's okay. You got excited. He got. He got. Uh, he got a taste of the bone. I started going through who Ronda murked. I was just like, that, that was the thing. I think if you guys would have narrowed down that she fought Ronda for the championship, that would have given you a path to Alexis Davis. Um, unfortunately, you guys did not get there this week. Uh, like I mentioned, this was going to be a tough one. I knew Alexis Davis is not really a fighter that we comment a ton on. Uh, a veteran of women's MMA for a long time, and you know, I would consider to be one of the uh, you know better talents. Um, in the only division. time we ever refer to our Marcus is when we talk about people having to look in their eye when they're about to fight for a title. That's true. That's you. Bad. When we and look, dude, nobody looked more scared. We literally all looked at each other and said, "Oh, she's terrified." Like you could all tell. We could all tell this. Yeah, and her fight with Ronda was historically short by knockout with punches and then a throw and then more punches. Um, but after that, after that fight, she she's been a little bit middling. Uh, she won her next fight against Sarah Kaufman. 
uh, lost to Sarah McMahon, um, had two more wins, one even against uh, Liz Carmouche, um, and lost her last fight against, oh, I cannot pronounce this woman's last name, Catlina Cohogan? <laughs> no? <laughs> no help here. Catalin Ch- the Chuko Kaigen. Chuko Kaigen. Chukasian. Sure. Chukasian. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. Ha- her, her. She's her. Her Twitter handle is Blonde Fighter. I, Ooh, like that, yeah, I, wish, I, I wish that was on the Wikipedia page, but I didn't know I would have gone there. <laughs> she knows her. She knows her name. Which one is she? She's the Blonde Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I knew uh, picking Alexis Davis was was going to be a tough out. There was a couple avenues you guys could have gotten, but uh, I think you guys got real close. That was a good game. If Bobby no, had just thought was... out loud, yeah, I, I blew that. Him. Sarah Kaufman's been the answer. Yeah, I blew got that excited. One. Got excited. She trains around here, and that and that. So that was the thing. She's born in Canada. She fights out of uh, San Jose. I don't know if she's a dual citizen or what the deal is. I I don't have those kind of papers on me. I can't make those calls. <laughs> but she's Canada. She's from Canada. Um, I believe she's married, right. right? We saw her with her husband. Yeah, her yeah. head coach, Flavio. Okay, but he's not a fighter. That doesn't help. Yeah, he's Brazilian though. Um, all right, um, picking fights. Yeah. Um, by the way, I should have brought it up when we were talking about Jake Shields, but I was watching wrestling last night. Jake Shields in the front row to support Ronda. And who's next to Jake Shields, though? Of course, Mike. A young lady. <laughs> what kind of young lady? A pretty one. It's very specific, Mike. The answer very is specific, a, Asian lady. It's fishing yeah. for a specific yeah. Asian yeah. lady. We're, we're almost uh, an hour into I'm, this podcast. Mike's just like, I don't know. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see color, so I don't know what you're referring to. And yet, you guys always ask, is she white? Is she black? Is this guy this ethnicity? And I was like, I don't know. This is this is tough stuff sometimes. I still I, like what I Stephon asked. I see color for the purposes of 20 questions. Okay, I think I like, what, I like what Stephon asked if somebody was bald, and I just sat there like, there's so many bald guys. This didn't help me at all. But it did. We were. I was working my way towards Tim Johnson. It, it answered exactly what my question is. Is like, is he got a cop mustache? Um. All right. Let's pick these fights. And let's try to do them quick. Um, UFC two thirty. I don't know what I even said. We're gonna pick. So. Uh, so you said you wanted to pick the Cormier. Jacques I flat out. Ig- I flat out ignored that one fight on the main card because I don't know who the fuck those people are. Marshman um, and Roberson. I, I, Actually, also- I know Marshman. I also disregarded you wanting to pick the Mataferi fight because, really, why? Because we like Roxanne. Oh, I, I've watched and appreciate yeah. both these fighters. We're, we're, we're this, picking that. We're picking that fight. Yeah. For these hardworking women. So Jerry Eubanks is a perfectly cromulent uh, contender, just not a main eventer in New York City. Cromulent. Cromulent. A perfectly cromulent word. The hell's yeah. cromulent? Oh my okay. god! Well, the Simpsons has passed us by. Okay, everybody's gonna have to Google Cromulent while I'm pulling up the. I'll say right now, a noble heart and biggins the smallest man. What? That is a perfectly Cromulent word. All right, uh, Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis, whose hands broken? Both of them? One of them? Neither of them? We don't fucking know. Um, Derek Lewis is a big ass underdog, plus five twenty five. Cormier minus seven fifty. Yeah, okay. I don't know, Daniel Cormier probably. <laughs> I got Cormier. Stefan. This is a clean sweep. Um, but if there's a time, if you're in a you know gambling area and there's a time to bet Derek Lewis like KO to bet that flyer, that's the only avenue. Yeah, here. What, what, what can I get Derek Lewis a KO at? Come on now. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I will say though, watching one of the embeddeds, wow, Derek Lewis is a lot bigger than Cormier, even fat, fat Cormier. Derek Lewis is so much bigger than him, but the, it is a skill gap. Let me tell you guys this though. 
If you believe that the god that the MMA gods who sit apart sit up atop Mount Zion's are as vengeful as many people do think they are, Derek Lewis about to become heavyweight champion, right? <laughs> Come on now. If you can just throw a wrench in the middle of this shit, and this he's going to fight Brock Lesnar. Yeah, yeah. Mike, who you got? <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I would have to be real brave to not pick DC in this fight, but I have to agree with you. It would be hilarious and also extremely fun to see Derek Lewis as champion. Oh, Derek Lewis, shit. Not trying to fight for no title. Fuck you talking about, Mark. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm DC too. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Wideman, Jacare, minus 185 Wideman, Jacare plus 160. A fight that I think we all thought, I feel we've talked about this fight happening and it never did. Like, for a long, for years. Um, Wideman was supposed to take on Rockhold, but Rockhold keeps getting hurt, man. Um, he's approaching real injury-prone status with that dude. Uh, Wideman fights like once a year. He hasn't fought since last July where he was just, Better than Kelvin Gastelum. Got the job done. Uh, Jacare last fought. Uh, he lost to Gastelum uh, in May. Um, I'm taking Weidman. He's just late notice fight for Jacare. I, I'm going to go. That's my reason. I got Weidman. Mark? Uh, yeah, I'm actually going with Jacare. Um, it's going to be a tough fight. I just, even though, I mean, I think it's going to be good. Yeah, and I think Jacare, I mean, you can, you can look at their common opponent and be like, oh, Jacare's last fight was a loss against someone who Weidman won. But I think it was a really close fight. It was I, it was a split um, to Kevin. So I, I'm going to go with uh, Jacare. I've always just been a big fan. Got a good You can find a good pic. You can't find it. But there's a good picture of Mark doing the alligator thing for Jacare, with Jacare. Wonderful. I would argue it's a good picture. I, look cute. I think it's a, great, it's a great picture, yeah. Uh, Mike, what do you got? MMA math never lets you down. Weidman beat Gasolum. Gasolum beat Jacare. So that obviously tells you Weidman's going to win. And also, this is the fourth on the Brazilian Legends uh, punch card that Weidman's going to be fighting. I now have less faith in my pick after Mike just adamantly, yeah, MMA math is great. <laughs> Stefan? <laughs> um, I'm thinking Weidman and not for MMA math. I think his skill set matches up well against Souza. Uh, Souza, his striking is kind of big, powerful hooks. And Weidman has technical boxing. Um, he'll get outstruck by more technical fighters like a Rockhold, but that's not who Souza is. And uh, Souza's grappling acumen, I expect Weidman to be able to keep it standing if he wants it to. Um, and I think he has a better gas tank if it does become a grapple fest. So um, I like Weidman fairly comfortably in this fight. Right on. 3-1 that one. Um, David Branch, Jared Cannonier. Um this is a type of fight where, like, there's reality and what I want to happen. Because David Branch is not a young man, uh, 37 years old. Shit, man, Cannonier is not that young either. Fuck it. Uh, Cannonier is a big underdog, plus 340. Jared, uh, David Branch, minus 420-ish. Um, Branch last fought when he um, iced Tiago Santos back in uh, Atlantic City in April. Um before that, he lost to Luke Rockhold in a fight where he got Rockhold pretty fucking good, too. He hurt him pretty bad. Um, Jared Cannonier, we last saw him get his ass whooped by Dominic Reyes. Um, he's lost three or four. It's, it's honestly hard to pick against Jared, David Branch here, so I'm not going to. I got David Branch. Mike? 
David Branch has fought twice in the UFC. Even though he only has a record of one and one, he still did look very good in his fight against Rockhold. So it'd be very hard for me to pick against Branch as well. So you're not picking against Branch? Yes. Mike, thank you for agreeing with me. Mark? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got Branch as well. Um, mostly just looking at uh, Jared once fighting at heavyweight, not finding a lot of success going to light heavyweight, not finding success now going to middleweight. I just feel like he's just scratching to find that perfect fit. Maybe this is it. Maybe he has a great performance. I think Branch is a tough guy to come in um, in this first fight in this weight division and you know get a victory here. So I'm going with Branch. Stefan? Uh, massive favorite. Keep it rolling. Right on. Um, we're not picking the Carl Roberson Jack Marshman fight because I honestly don't know who Carl Roberson is. I watched Jack Marshman fight once, and I thought he was kind of exciting, but yeah, I don't know. What I was gonna say is I know who Marshman is of the two as well, but he's the two to one underdog. So yeah, I don't know. Clearly, I don't know enough about this Carl Roberson. I honestly don't know where this guy's from, to be honest. Uh, this other guy though, he's six and one, and his last he lost to Cesar Ferreira. Marshman, I watched one of those fights on Fox Sports One where he put on a brawl. Um, Israel Adesanya, Derek Brunson, these men have been talking shit for fucking months, long before the fight even got booked. Um, Israel Adesanya is a big favorite, minus 320. Um, some of people forgot Derek Brunson knows how to wrestle a little bit. Derek Brunson, plus 260. Stefan, what do you think, brother? Um, I'm taking Adesanya, but this is one of those fights when we talk about it all the time where... I think the line is wider than it should be because, like you said, I think Brunson has the wrestling game to absolutely ground Adesanya and take all the steam right off of this hype train. Um, but that said, even with his wrestling acumen, we've seen Derek prone to wanting to stand. We've seen him prone to leaving his chin high and just getting clipped when he comes in on a takedown. So, um, you know, the, the, it's a very much as styles make fights. I, it'll be interesting to see what has Adesanya worked on in terms of his takedown defense. Um, because Brunson is a very credible wrestler. Uh, I think the line should be closer, but I do kind of like Adesanya just more as a prospect. Yeah, I'm going Adesanya too. I like that. I like the prospect element here. Uh, Vittori, when Adesanya fought Vittori two fights ago, I remember he got on, like, Vittori got on top of him, and then nothing happened, and Adesanya didn't know what to do, and I remember we were all like, Jesus, what's what's going on here, buddy? Um, he put up a much better fight against Brad Tavares, Kind of put on a performance for 25 minutes there. So, yeah, I got Adesanya, um, who is 29 years old, a fucking incredible kickboxer, trying to make moves in MMA, man. I like how, I like the shit talk with these guys. Seems genuine. It's nice. Mike? I'm going with that Adesanya will take a higher leap when it comes to his wrestling defense and what he can do on the ground in this fight. So, I'm going to go with the style bender. Marcus, you got to try to wave the flag for the man, Derek Lewis. Uh, Derek Lewis. Derek Brunson. Uh, no, I, I think I, I actually agree with all the points Stefan made about um, Brunson's, you know, ten, tendency to kind of get wild in there and Israel just being a good counter striker and a good straight shooter. Um, I think he's going to be able to find some openings, but, you know, don't sleep on uh, Brunson. Dude's a really good wrestler. And I think, you know, the point Stefan made about him potentially grounding him and just kind of sapping rounds away in energy could be a reality we face uh, come Saturday. Um, and then... That's one fight left to pick, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Cesaro uh, Eubanks versus Roxanne Modafferi. Miss Eubanks is a bonkers favorite. Minus 550. Roxy's plus 425. Roxanne's gotten so, so much better. Um, 
I'm pretty sure this fight happened on the show, didn't it? Am I not crazy? It did. And um, Sajari Eubanks actually beat Roxanne Modafferi to get what was supposed to be the final slot. But then due to injury, Roxanne replaced her to um, ultimately lose the belt to um, our what, was that strip champion. Was it injured or did she just become show up so crazy over? I thought she showed up overweight. Um, she had a repeated trouble making weight. I think she was like threatening like liver failure as it comes. So um, I don't know if it was injury, but not deemed not fit. Kidney failure. There it is. From There it is. Yeah. Um, assuming she makes it to the fight, I got Eubanks. Stefan? Um, I do, too. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big line. I, I, I can see. But I, again, just kind of like the last fight, I see Roxy's avenue to winning. Um, Roxy's definitely going to lose early, and it's not going to look good early. Because uh, Sajara, she's, you know, her record's nothing, you know, great, but she's one of those record, those fighters who has very few fights to her name. And she's someone who was really starting to put it together on the show. You started to see good finishing instincts, you know, good power for the division. Um, so I expect that to have been improving this time. But that said, she is prone to gassing a little. And where Roxy will win this fight is if she hangs around and late gets that takedown, you know, drags her down, gets the uh, a submission. But, um, they went to decision on the show, and Sajara looked pretty good. But, um, you know, Roxy's got a chance. For someone who kind of became a little bit of a joke, she really turned it around, and she's just an all-around likable fighter. So um, something that she would be proud of, I hope she shows that samurai spirit and just has a really good effort against uh, Eubanks. Yeah, I met, uh, I met Roxanne in Kansas City before one of her fights. All the Invicta shows were in one of, in uh in Kansas City. She's so like, nice. She's like Ming Zhang. You just love you just love her. Mike, you shouldn't have been so harsh. Everyone she's, everyone just loves Roxy. She's so nice. She was so nice when I met her. It was great. Uh Mike, who do you got? Uh in honor of of uh Roxy and the time she spent in Japan. Uh Roxanga ski deska demo uh sanga skida. Skida Kachida. Uh, basically, I just said, we love Roxanne, but Sajara is going to win this shit. Marcus, do you disagree? I'm just going to roll with what Mike said in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the card. Um, I'm The main event, as weird as it is, it's going to be a good time. Um, got, I like why. It's got some good fights. I don't understand what's going on with that Marshman fight. Somebody's got to be from New York or something. Well, not even New York. Where are they? Well, they are in New York. Yeah, somebody's got to be from New York. That's the only way this shit makes sense. Um, Stefan, can you shit on the new Brazilian president in about 30 seconds? Because this show is already an hour and five minutes long. Um, Bolsonaro is terrifying. Um, whatever we say we don't like about Trump, Bolsonaro is horrifying. He Yeah, he's Duterte. He, right? oh, That's what, yeah, he, that, yeah, Trump is not the appropriate... Because uh, uh, he's a former paratrooper. Uh, he believes that civil war is needed to cleanse the nation. He believes that innocents have to die to take back the nation, and he's okay with that. I was watching a, a Viceland documentary where uh, Ellen Page visited him, and he is hostile against the homosexual community. Believes they need to, like you know, be beaten and die. he said, "If you're gay, it's because you weren't beaten enough as a child." So if if there's a statement that really just paints what a person's worldview is. That's it right there. Um, when Ellen Page told him she was gay, uh, his response was, oh, that's, no, you're too pretty. I would whistle at you if I saw you in the streets. Like, <laughs> you this see his hand slowly this go for a bat around the corner, like, I have to beat it out of you now. You shouldn't have told me that. Like, 
this is a scary man who who really like it's a country that does not have a strong military force so a type of leader that really values that it makes me kind of nervous what type of international deals he will make with shady company um the rainforest is fucked yeah that's that's gone that's it's gonna be that's that's you a know, wrap there. Kareem Zidane, God bless the journalistic work that guy does covering the kind of international scene. Um, there were a lot of named fighters in support of him. Who let's let's lot, name them. Let's have some of, fun. A lot of personal respect for a lot of these fighters. All right, let's add this. Let's add this. Let's create the shit list. By the way, the part I think a highlight for me was me asking you how is it Verdum on this list. And you said he already has a dictator he likes. You can't you can't commit to multiple dictators. That defeats the whole point. Uh, Vanderlei Silva, Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo, Rafael Dos Anjos. I want to point out that three of the four people I mentioned so far don't live in the fucking country anymore. So yeah, no problem. You know what's going on. Uh, Hoist Gracie, Henzo Gracie, Warley Alves, Bigfoot Silva, Tiago Tavares, Fabio Maldonado, Jacare Souza, and Darren Till. That last one disappointed me. That last one hurt me. Uh, Mike, what'd you say? I said that's a curveball right there, the last one. Well, he's didn't he like he's he like speaks Portuguese and shit. Doesn't he train in Brazil like, or some uh, shit? Mark and I were talking about it. Where like his whole thing was he got stabbed in Liverpool, so it was too dangerous for him to live in Liverpool, so they sent him to Brazil. And we're like, How dangerous is Liverpool that Brazil is your safe haven? Like Yeah, uh you guys gotta pray for everybody in Brazil that's even a little bit different. I mean I don't know how Anderson's on board with him. This guy just hates black people too. He's like, he talks about like the Afro, the ones who are from African descent in Brazil are like subhuman. The guy says that shit. Yes, it's uh, not for minorities to be given respect. It's that minorities need to conform to the majority or die. That's that's pretty much the stance this man takes. It's okay. Anderson lives in LA. and How did this guy get elected? Brazil loves it. Mike, do we ask ourselves these questions? (laughs) We ask ourselves some questions here sometimes. They... People are filled with hate, and they're like, "Look at this guy! He hates people just like I do." Because I'm a man. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same way any piece of shit strongman comes to power. There's a moment of weakness. People get scared. He's charismatic. They lean into it. it. Just like fucking Hitler. Don't these people see that all these horrible people are just like Hitler? They come in. My my man's disgusto. This dude's like talking about his hero is Pinochet. I'm like, Pinochet killed so many people. (laughs) So many fucking people. So attract. So many people. Um, all right, let's uh, let's do stuff we like now that we fucking bummed out the world. Um, let's just talk about Red Dead, huh? Let's just fucking – that's what's happening. Real quick, since I said we're going to talk about tights and fights, I'm like two-thirds through Daredevil. It's pretty solid. Come back to that. But yeah, I, I watched more Daredevil, and I liked it even more than I mentioned last week. So, And, and yeah. Stefan was right. The, I'm in the, the zone where these shows usually like jump off a cliff and get real bad before they're like, oh, we know how to end this shit. We don't know what the middle is. But like, no, the middle's pretty fucking good. Good job, guys. 